0: off the the
1: groove with scotty dubler december 4th 2020 episode number 163
0: it is friday
1: it's always friday that's when we release these
0: that means it's time for some off the groove i
1: can't believe it's december dude like it's it's, Uh, as crazy as this year has been it is flown by son
0: Well, it was slow going for a while when everybody's in quarantine and all that fun stuff, but uh, we got through the race season, and it seems like after the race season, it's just gone by really fast. I don't know about for you, but uh, for me, it has. I don't know. I'm not busy.
1: The past couple weeks have gone by pretty slow for me, but yeah, the whole year seems to have have flown by for sure. I mean, I guess it's because we've kind of been busy and try to keep ourselves busy, and I don't know, all the chaos, I mean, throughout the year, it just seems like... uh, I don't know. Anyways, but it's almost over. We got what four more episodes, and it'll be 2021. It's crazy. That's just crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, we'd like to start off by saying thanks to all our patrons for sticking around for another month. We're up to eight hundred
1: percent hundo p. Thank you, patrons. They all they all came
0: back. That's awesome. We We appreciate it, each and every one of you. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. No, it. We say it every time, but it it can't say it enough. It's one of those things that uh, ah it's just too cool that people are um actually helping us do what we want to do and and helping us make it better so thank you so much patrons for coming back for another month it means a ton there'll be some cool content this month uh look out for that for sure keep you busy during the holidays for sure watching watching some patreon oh we ha- have we talked about fast eddie being a patron no fast haven't yet, eddie is a patron isn't that awesome
0: yeah, that's my dad that's my dad yeah. for some of you folks that don't know who fast eddie is but uh if you listen to Graham's ep- first episode, you will know who Fast Eddie is. Uh, yeah. She said Fast Eddie was very fast.
1: Well, there a, there, there's been a couple of things. Like, I wanted everything in one spot for him, and that's Patreon. So, like, that he's it's a perfect place for him because he's going to get not only the the podcast. He'll get our live intro, outro, so he'll get to watch those live through Patreon. He'll get to see all the extra stuff that we do. He, he already sees your ugly mug and my ugly mug enough, but... He'll get to see that right so that's cool um and it's all in one spot he just opens the app and goes right to it and can play anything he wants this is for you fast and, Daddy. and,
0: and i'm in his old house so he knows uh. his house is being taken care of too. <laughs> so it's kind of killing another bird right I there with the it. stone but that's uh, awesome yeah it's pretty cool some big news this week what's a couple that? different things oh yeah uh, turner racing making yeah, a big dude. announcement
1: yeah no that's that's awesome uh we'll get into that i think in a future episode i actually reached out to bigs and uh he'll come on here in a, in a week or two i think and, and maybe talk about what all that means for him and and the folks involved in in that effort and stoked for him man. he he definitely deserves the the opportunity and uh look forward to seeing what he's going to be doing in 2021 but we'll we'll hear more about it in the, in the weeks to come
0: also springfield mile it will be a double header and it's gonna be labor day weekend which i think is a good move i mean it's hard for a promoter to promote two separate weekends and especially when one's in may one's in september yeah in may in illinois you always have a chance of rain so i think you know instead of risking it all out there in may some people might not show up in may because of that uh run them back to back in september uh, I think it's going to be great.
1: Yeah, it happened in 2019 because of a rainout, but, you know, they did it last year intentionally and uh, it worked out really well. Um, so hopefully, man, that's a new tradition that we're going to be starting in, in the doubleheader. And there's been a lot of questions will there be doubleheaders in, in 2021? Well, we, at least we know there's going to be one of them, right?
0: Absolutely. Also, you know, we did doubleheaders in every round in 2020. So yeah. I think it worked out great. Uh, some of the racers that were maybe slow the first night or didn't qualify the first night. Yep. you know, had a chance to go home, do their homework and come back the next day and show what they, you know, what, what they could do the next day. So, uh, another thing is there's some rules that kind of came out. A lot of people have been reaching out to us, both of us on our social media handles on Instagram, on Facebook, and, uh, even I'm getting text messages too. We're not going to get into the rules just yet, because if you read the fine print at the bottom Carter, it says proposed rules. So they're not set in stone yet. Uh, I know there's a big tire test coming up this weekend down in Volusia. I think they're going to maybe try some of these rules maybe huh. and see. I don't know if the teams had quite enough time to make these adjustments for the new rules package, but they are trying out a brand new compound, maybe a little bit different shape of the tire, the new Dunlop tire, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, I know, you know, folks at NASCAR always used to have tire tests all the time. I think it's it's a good thing. Uh, I, I heard the hard tire in 2020 was a little bit too hard and didn't show that much wear so it means when it doesn't show wear, there's not a lot of traction the soft tire was good on some tracks but it would go away on other tracks which you do want some tire to fall off a little bit but you got to have a happy medium. I think you can't have one that's just too hard where you're not getting any use out of the tire.
1: Hundred percent, yeah. And as far as the rules go, there's enough people online talking about all that stuff. Um, it's it's probably better to wait till it's in stone, and then we might even to try to get somebody from AFT on to kind of speak to it um, and, and kind of break it down uh, before the season starts. Uh, but I don't want to speculate with all the proposed stuff right now sometimes they just put that stuff out there to get to check the pulse right um so uh, we'll we'll talk about it when it's in stone and 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 a little bit more real but we'll see i mean we'll see what happens at that test this weekend and what what comes of that i'm sure there'll there'll be some firm decisions a month or so after before the season starts for sure Are,
0: are you going to the tire test i mean you live in florida you didn't come down to see the volusia races i mean are you are you gonna go check that out for us for off the groove or not going to mention it's that. Just down not the road, I
1: might, I might take a trip down there. I'm okay. I don't know. Yeah, why not? See if they, see if they kick me out. But I'm not. I don't think I've been invited to it. But I might show up and see if they, if they want, if they kick well, me out.
0: I, I wasn't invited either.
1: Yeah, but you, if you're that, Scotty that makes you feel You're like the so. voice of flat track. <laughs> if you show up at a flat track event, it doesn't matter. Like you could just walk in at any flat track event and be like,
0: ladies and gentlemen, and they'll be like, uh, Scotty he's Duber, here. He's, here. He, he's here, he's here, <laughs> he's here, he's <laughs> here. You're hilarious. Try. So also, uh, we've been watching social media a lot. Oliver Brindley and yes, his uh, sister, uh, Lucy, has been posting a lot of videos. He's writing more now. Uh, yeah. He's He was up, sitting up. It looked like they, they opened up, I don't know, 25 Days of Christmas or something like that. It, it looked pretty A little pretty advent cool. like, calendar or fun. something, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks really cool. So it looks like he's doing really well. It looks like his spirits are up. I know. I got a, a message back. I called Ollie a, a little while back and just... I, I just give him a shout out or give him give him a call, but yeah. you guys can do that too. It's the the number to call Oliver Brindley is three five two six three nine two nine two four. Of course, it ends in two because that was his number twenty four. Yeah. I know they're playing all the messages for Oliver, and I know he gets excited to hear from everybody. So yeah. uh, keep that going. Let's let's keep Oliver you know going the right direction.
1: Absolutely, man. I'm I'm stoked every time I see one of those posts. Um, and I, I I try at least once once a week, every other week to, to leave him a message here shortly. I, I hear that he absolutely loves hearing from. Him everybody so um the more we can do that to kind of keep him going in the right direction man I, I think it's it's a great thing so yeah
0: cool i uh, posted a throwback thursday a while back of my first ever motorcycle which was that ty80 yamaha dude well derek brindley which is oliver's dad yeah he sent me a message and a picture on him on one of those and that was his first motorcycle too which dude. is oliver's dad it was, it was really here. cool
1: that's super cool, cool dude you not only, yeah. not only on your yamaha you posted one uh on a on a bike too what's up with that son
0: <laughs> well, before I decided to race two wheels uh, or motorcycles, I guess I was on two wheels. I decided to race bicycles. I did some BMX. I think I was like 14, 15, Dude. 16 years old. I think the best I ever ended up was like 15th in the state of Oklahoma. I went to nationals all over the place and I posted that actually on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving was always the BMX Grand Nationals and they used to be right uh, here in Oklahoma City. Okay, And now they're they're moved up the road a little bit to Tulsa, Oklahoma at the big expo center. but. Uh, you know, that's what Thanksgiving was for us for a little while was racing bicycles. And, awesome. uh my dad had found that picture a little while back and sent it to me. So I, I shared it with the world on Thanksgiving.
1: You've been, uh, you've been pretty, uh, pretty good on your social here lately being become the, <laughs> the little social guru, Scotty Dubes. I love it, dude. We share yeah. it all on off the groove so everybody can see it too. But if you don't already. Follow this guy on, on social. We'll, we'll still be sharing it to Off the Groove, so you can see it there, too. But you got some you got some fire, some old old photos. The ta- Taco Tuesday one uh, this oh, week yeah. was pretty good, too. That was pretty solid, dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was actually the motorcycle uh, my dad raced in Knoxville, Iowa. So I raced. It was a Spanish shootout. It was before the Astro Cup was even around. There was a Spanish shootout, and it was a heat race of Osas and a heat race of Bull Tacos. Nice. So me, my dad, and my grandpa, which is Pa, uh, we're all in the Bull Taco heat races. Uh, we're all on, my dad was on a Purse thing. It looked like I was on an Astro. My pa was on the Astro that I have now. And the picture I put for Throwback Thursday was my dad's bike that he rode at that event, which he broke. I think he snapped the chain off the line right on the first lap or something. But he actually watched down the back straightaway, and uh, I actually was lucky enough to win that one. And uh, I, it wasn't my last race, but it was in 2011, so it's probably my last race on a half mile for sure. And I got to give Graham the victory lap. And it was the only time I ever raced against my dad and definitely the only time I ever raced against my grandpa. See, I, and I, I
1: didn't even know Graham ever got a victory lap. That's pretty cool.
0: It was cool. She was crying. Uh, awesome. She, she, she'd come back to the pits to get my hat because I was going to the podium And she came running back, and we were trying to find her, and we didn't know where she went. Well, she puts the hat on her head, (laughs) and we take off on the victory lap, and the hat blew off in turn one and two. So, anyways, that's fantastic.
1: uh, Not the not the hat that they're having to wear now. A different
0: hat. No, it was it was one of my hats. I don't even know what it was. I just you know when you take your helmet off, you got hat head and helmet head and combination, all that stuff. So I wanted a hat, and and uh, but I'll never forget that. You know, giving Graham that victory lap was was very special to me that was the only time I ever did that I mean she went to a lot of my races but uh that's the only time I ever got to do that
1: that's badass dude I love it um so you want to get into this week's episode before you know we go live a little bit on the patreon uh here and do this our intros and outros uh and this week's been interesting like I was explaining before we hopped on to to record this intro uh you've kept the secret of who this week's guest was until about 10 minutes ago before we actually started recording this intro and uh i'm still not very uh clear on how that happened how you were able to pull one over on me but you just told me that i'm this week's guest
0: that is correct so uh we got lined up this week it's chris carter but uh that's you (laughs) sir you are our guest there's been
1: a couple weeks where you've tried to do this before and i've completely shut it down but i don't think we have another option because we got to record tonight and this is what
0: we're doing all right you ready?
1: No. Well,
0: you got to you, you go like this a little bit and stretch no. out and then get All ready. Let's stretching do it. isn't going to help
1: this one, but uh, let's do it, man. I I don't even you know what the ready. hell, like, I don't even, you got an outline and everything, but I don't know what the hell you're going to do. Yep.
0: All right. Yeah. We'll Are get ready? into it. No. Let's do it. No. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it.
1: <laughs>
0: mm. Are you ready? No. Son. No. Are you ready? No.
1: Could ready. I, w- I hate that. I guess I, I haven't even looked at these questions. Is it, is it even a, at a place where I can look at it?
0: Nope. It is, look, I'm going to show you quickly. It's on a piece of paper. Oh, wow. Two sides.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Because we usually put our notes uh, in the notes that we share Mm -hmm. with each other. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember this one time you interviewed me and I didn't get the chance to look at anything or edit anything and you were kind of just winging it. So
1: this is is my payback?
0: This is your payback. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I really am pretty damn nervous about this and I don't know why.
0: Why? Why? I, I don't I mean, know. You're just, you're just talking to me.
1: I am. It's just a phone call. That's what I tell all of our guests. It's just, it's just a phone call it's with just Scotty. A
0: ca- it's just a casual phone call with Scotty. I, I'm actually. Uh, it's gonna be. It'll be recorded and be edited later. So yeah, if you yeah. Screw I'll, up harder. I know the spiel. Just you can just stop it down. Uh, yeah, we're gonna stop then,
1: down then, a couple of times for sure. This will <laughs> definitely have to be edited for sure.
0: I was thinking there would be no editing. This would be the easiest one we've done. No. You know, it's only 164 in. All
1: right. Let's get it done. Let's rip the Band-Aid off.
0: Here we go. The yellow stripe is coming off. Oh, boy. So, Chris Carter. That's me. Where were you born?
1: (laughs) I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, actually. Yeah. Queen City.
0: Yeah. Why? Why is it called the Queen City? Do you know?
1: Uh, yeah, Queen Charlotte. Uh, Queen Charlotte, actually, I did a whole report on it when I was in school uh, uh,
0: a few years ago.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. More than
1: a few years ago, but yeah, it was Queen, well, Ch- Queen Charlotte. You could look her up. Google her. She's a uh, pretty badass. Since you don't...
0: Since you don't know the official answer to that one, we'll go on to question number two. Yeah, what's it like growing up in Charlotte?
1: Uh, it was pretty interesting growing up in Charlotte. I grew up in the South Side of Charlotte. It's a big banking city. I don't know if you knew that, but but yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time in the city until I got uh, you know out of high school. But South Charlotte was pretty awesome. I I, I don't know. My parents were basically in charge of a, a little league association in the in the South Charlotte area. So I spent my entire childhood at uh, little league events, whether it's baseball or basketball fields i grew up at the baseball fields and grew up on the basketball courts of a uh, greater pineville athletic association back in the day yeah did, did you play oh yeah i played baseball and basketball but uh that's about it on the sports side i think. yeah
0: yeah see the, when i played those sports i played the position called left out because yeah. i didn't get to play I Wait, sat, you didn't even play like I was, baseball i played baseball for one year and i hated every second of it yeah. and then i played basketball uh seventh eighth and ninth grade was uh too short, too small to uh, play any sports in high school, and that's about when I started racing two wheel stuff, yeah. but uh, enough about me let's get back to you yeah I, st- um, I started in baseball
1: okay and then fell in love with basketball and, and dropped baseball pretty quick. but I mean sure. I, I did just about everything at the at the baseball fields. I mean, I ran concession because my mother was basically the secretary and, and handled uh, financials for the whole Little League Association, and my dad was a president, so uh, I don't know it was pretty cool growing up you got to learn how to help people out uh, at an early age, because it, it was all volunteer. So, I mean, I was basically, right. like right. I said, living at the at the Little League Fields.
0: Cool. Sounds like, you know, when I was growing up, we grew up at the racetrack, because, you you know dad helped build the track and Graham ran concessions and scoring and signups and my mom did something and you know the whole family was out there but we all had something going on so yeah. did you go to school there like all through high school and did you go to college there or did you go to college at all i don't even know i don't think i've ever asked you
1: i, I don't think you have no i did uh, i did go to school i grew up in charlotte when i went to college i actually stayed in north carolina but i went to eastern okay. north carolina so east carolina university the pirates
0: the pirates. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Yeah. Uh, what'd you study?
1: Uh, I was a communications major, which <sighs> I wish I'd had done my homework before I got to East Carolina. They didn't, they were just starting their communications program at the time. So, uh, it was kind of in its uh, infancy there. And, uh, but I, I don't know, I learned, uh, how to edit and final cut there. I, I did, uh, I was, which is funny that we're doing this now. I was big into radio. Um, so I would, uh, go to the local, campus station my buddy was a dj at night so i would do (laughs) eric cartman voices on uh on the radio i did the weather as eric cartman um from south park a couple times and i love that i I just love the whole the whole radio scene it was cool you're like you're you're in a booth uh you're kind of secluded but everybody's listening to you um i never did a dj thing myself but i would go help him kind of set up playlists and run the show operate the board during the show and i did a couple. projects in some of my classes that were like radio edits so that was kind of how I got into the whole love of of production
0: so you're like you love being the behind the scenes guy
1: yeah it actually started uh back in Charlotte when I was uh my first job was at a theme park so uh, and I uh I was an usher for the shows there so I got to uh in the entertainment department which is the sweetest department to work at at a theme park because you don't want to like be working the rides or you know, pick, right. Picking up trash. I mean, but, uh, but I, I got to work for all the different kinds of shows there. I, there was a, I think there was an ice skating show when I started there. And then there was like some singing, dancing shows, but I, I like worked and helped the people behind the scenes, you know, set up for the next show, um, run audio boards even then, uh, at 16 years old. So I, I really fell in love with the behind the scenes stuff there. Yeah.
0: So also, Going through college, you had this other really cool job, and I actually got to see you perform <laughs> in this really cool job. And you, you traveled.
1: I was worried for, if this was going to come up for,
0: I... for state fairs oh, and stuff boy. like that. I I don't know. I mean, I know there's some footage out there somewhere. We're we're not going to get into. We're not it, but gonna get into I, it. I, I saw you at the Oklahoma State Fair a few years ago, yeah, and it was it's incredible, and it was like a sideshow or a side a skit show. I mean, it's how did you get that gig?
1: <laughs> so it actually it actually came from the job that I got at the theme park. It was a show that was in the theme park at the time um when I was 16, 17. I actually ran audio for them and uh managed their technical side for their show from when I was 17 through college. It was my it was my college job in the summertime I would go home, work at the theme park and run the show and then they uh, actually eventually asked me to do it. It was a slapstick comedy show. Uh hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, I'll figure. I I'll, I'll be brave enough at some point to post a post a video. I'll post pictures for sure if people want to see it, but right. uh I don't know, man. I, I still say to this to this day, I've had a lot of different jobs in a lot of different, you know, areas. It's the coolest most fun job I've ever had. I, I got to do four 15 minute comedy shows a day and make people laugh for a living and hang out in a theme park in between. So I don't, I don't hate that, but, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not anything anybody would expect. I think when they meet me.
0: So what, what did you want to do when you like, you know, kids like want to be a fireman or want to do, you know, be a race car driver or, or a doctor or whatever. What did Chris Carter want to be when he was growing up?
1: Dude, I'm hitting 40 in like two weeks and I still have no idea what the hell I want to do when I grow up. All right. That's uh, that's
0: an accept. That's acceptable.
1: I did love entertaining people. Um, making people laugh was amazing, but I never really saw a career in doing that. Um, I, 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 that was like a passion for me back then. And I did love like setting up audio and running audio. So like making, making things happen from a technical standpoint, I've always kind of had a passion for, uh, and I think that's kind of more than anything if you're, if I have to pick one thing. It was it was to make a living making something. Uh so okay. yeah, I don't know.
0: What you know, <laughs> I think I I know I know your your job before we met was in NASCAR. Uh-huh. What other kind of jobs did you do like right after school leading up to your job at NASCAR?
1: Um, so I, man, I, I will wear pretty much every hat on the side of production for local TV. Uh, I did the, the, out of, out of college. I told you that was my summer job during, you know, my summers in mm-hmm. college, but I did that for a year, traveled the country, um, doing those shows all over. And then I was like, it's time to grow up. I'm out of college now and <laughs> get a real person job. So I, uh, I moved back to move back home and, uh, got a, a local TV job. And, and when I started in local TV, I was rolling teleprompter. That was my first first job in t- Really? yeah, in TV. Uh cool. and I started there, then I learned to run the cameras. Um then I floor directed, which is kind of directing cameras in the studio for for local TV. Uh and then I actually uh started running audio for for the newscasts and the sports shows that were at the TV station and then I they asked me if I wanted to direct and I never saw myself directing um television could just because like I mean, you've been there. You've seen you got to have your hand in so many different things and mm-hmm. everything that happens in a show, whether people realize this or not, it's scripted and there's, there's a rundown, what they call them, their rundowns, like everything that happens, like camera changes, a graphic going on the screen and the director is in control of all of that. So oh, yeah, I just, I never saw myself doing it, but then, then when they asked me to, I've never been one to say, no, I don't want to try that. Like, uh, it's funny because, uh, Gary Inman, when Evan was on, he was talking about the the quote that Gary Inman said. Uh, he he signed up to write that film because mm-hmm. he'd never done anything like that, and it interests right. him. So it, right. that's like totally my vibe because I've if I see something that I've never tried that that interests me, I'm down to try it. I'm not, I've never been scared to try anything, but yeah, that was the <laughs> directing was the big thing for sure.
0: All right. So when did you get your job at NASCAR?
1: Uh, so (laughs) one thing about local TV is, you know, you learn a lot and a lot of different areas, right? I told like, I I pretty much ran everything on the, on the production side from, you know, Roland prompter to, to directing the shows. But the one thing you don't really know or find out until you get into it is there's not a whole lot of money, (laughs) money involved. Um, you don't make a lot of money. I was working, uh, three part-time jobs and directing local television and still barely scraping by. So, uh, no, thank you. It's crazy. I was, I was directing the weekend sports shows and the weekend news shows. I was the weekend director and, uh, I made really good friends with, uh, with an anchor. His name named John Nicely. He's, uh, I think he's just recently got out of a, a TV, but he was on air talent. He happened to be downtown, uh, Charlotte, uh, one night and, uh, met some folks from NASCAR and, uh, they were looking for somebody from the, on the production and, and technical side and John nicely said, I know this guy that busts his ass at the local TV station and can do just about everything you need. And he was handed a a business card and the next day at work, and I'm sitting there editing, uh, I think it was judge duty spots, uh, for, for the local TV station. And he walked in, he's like, I met this guy last night. You should probably talk to him and uh, threw down a card. And that's kind of how I got, uh, got my foot in the door there at NASCAR. I went in and interviewed and, uh, and then two weeks later I got a job offer.
0: So, what was your official title at NASCAR and did that change as, as you worked there? Cause I, I know, yeah. I know a few things you did and we're going to talk about one of those here in just a second, but what was your title? I mean, what were you hired to do at NASCAR?
1: So, um, in 2008, I think is when I started there. Yep. I was a, I still have my first business card. I'll have to go back and look. My title changed multiple times. I changed departments a couple of times, but my first, my first official title was Account Executive International. They had uh, a a few international broadcast partners. They were looking to increase their, uh, the quality of their international broadcasts, uh, make it more like TV and and as far as like a, a look and a feel and just the whole operational model. Uh, and, uh, grow their international department. So I, I definitely did not run or operate it at the, when I came in, but I helped make it a little better and, uh, okay. and more professional from a broadcast standpoint. So I brought my knowledge from the TV world and, um, helped manage the operational aspects of their international broadcast. So if you watched a NASCAR outside the United States, you watch the feed that I produced, and uh, I would work with uh, international broadcast partners all over the country like we had thirty seven international broadcast partners if they came to a race, I was in charge of making an itinerary um, getting them interviews with with NASCAR drivers like Carl Edwards, Jimmy oh, cool. Johnson. It was super hey. cool dude like and it was like my first like real real job um, I mean not that working in TV isn't real. And not that anything else that I did before that wasn't a real job, but this was like the big deal. And I was I was still fairly young at this point. I'm 28 at this point. Yeah. So I would do all that managing the day to day operations from a technical standpoint with our international broadcast partners. And then uh, once the races actually happened, I would oversee uh, and piggyback the the network feed that you see the Fox be- feed the espn feed and cover sponsored elements and branded content uh to send internationally and then once the once the race was over i would cut a highlight which would be a condensed uh one hour version of the race so i worked with an editor it was just a team of two um me and an editor to do the live feeds and then produce those highlights afterwards so um, that was the content we produced and, uh, we would distribute that, you know, right after the races all o- all over the world to over 40 international broadcast partners.
0: And right off the bat, did you have to travel to all the races or did that come later on?
1: So my first year, um, I did, I, it was funny. I, I came on at the end of the 2008 season. There were three races left. Uh, I think it was Texas, Texas, Phoenix, and Homestead, uh, were the right. three that they, they were for a while. And right my second week was me traveling to texas um and i'll never forget it, my boss seth bacon who i owe a ton to uh he took a chance on me and taught me a ton in the professional world he was super impressed because i was able to fly there and get to the track with without any direction from him so he was right out of the gate he was impressed by that and i was like i got this this is like right but, but then right. when i showed up i you know you look at i don't know if you've ever been to a nascar race and seen the tv comp the television compound it's it's like it's a Super Bowl every right. weekend,
0: every so weekend. Yeah.
1: I'm walking in from this like local TV station <laughs> and then I get there and it's like a huge NASCAR event with like 50 trucks and like, I don't know shit about what's going on there. So I'm like, it was pretty cool in that sense. But I was, I felt like, wow, did I bite off more than I can chew? Um,
0: right.
1: Yeah. And a, a funny story too. I'll never forget this. When I, I told my boss at the TV station that I was taking this job at NASCAR. And he, he, he like looked at me and he goes, are you sure you're ready?
0: Really? <laughs> yes. Wow.
1: And thanks, I, thanks boss. And I, well, he's, I mean, we were super cool with each other and he was just right. being honest, but yeah. I had just started directing. I'd only had a year or two under my belt there. Like, I don't think he fully understood what my job at NASCAR would be. And hell, I didn't need it either at you the time. Didn't either. Right. right, Um, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I showed up on, on site and it was, it was a little overwhelming, but, uh, You know, once I got in the truck, making TV is making TV. It was just on a larger scale going to a few hundred thousand more people all over the world instead of a
0: local TV station. A few million more people. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of nuts. Let's talk about this other project that I'm more familiar with, FansChoice.TV. Yeah. I was going to have you explain it to us because I know from my end what it was but it's basically you know covering the races going you know sending it webcasting the races yeah you you started from scratch right you were there from the beginning
1: yeah so i did the international broadcast thing for about 4 years uh was promoted a couple times uh and then nascar decided to renegotiate their digital rights i don't know if a lot of people understand or, or know this but uh turner in Atlanta, Ted Turner, who owns, owns Turner sports, uh, a lot of stuff down there in, in, Atlanta, Turner actually ran the, the websites for like entities like NBA. I think they had uh, PGA tour. Um, and they used to run NASCAR.com. Um, well getting into the digital age at NASCAR realized, you know, this stuff could be valuable down the road. Everything's kind of heading digital. Um, and they really didn't have a, uh, a digital department within NASCAR. So, uh, what they did was they renegotiated the rights. They, they, bought them back from Turner, um, and brought that back in house. And they built a whole digital department around the website to support the website. And they relaunched the website. So uh, I think four years into my NASCAR, I, I jumped from the broadcast side to the digital side, uh, since I had kind of been overseeing every race for four years from a broadcast standpoint, I I had a lot of knowledge um, in-house with NASCAR and was able to kind of help figure out how to transition that to digital products. So I oversaw a team of four individuals who ran the live operations of the website, um, and it was pretty cool. Like Digital space was new to me, but... I knew broadcast, so uh, I was still valuable, but I, and I still had a ton to learn on the the digital side of things. But one of the projects that I was drawn to uh, about after a year in the digital department was uh, this this idea was live streaming races, and it's not races that you see on television. The the whole product was thought up and meant to be a live stream of races that didn't have broadcast deals. So you know, not your trucks or or, or your nationwide at the time, right? Like they were. Uh, it was things like, uh, I don't know, modified racing or hell, like dirt track racing, you know, things that you
0: Kane know, and West Correct. and Arca and some of those other series. The
1: the idea was, you know, speed channel had gone away. There wasn't mm-hmm. a, there wasn't a network dedicated to all things racing. And it was, it was a brainchild of, of Jim France. Uh, it was a Jim France idea. Wow. Uh, and, uh, he saw that there's a need from a, a digital standpoint to cover these races, um, so, the idea originally for Fan's Choice was to be that, that digital platform where if you didn't have a broadcast dealer, if you weren't on TV, we could send a, a camera set up to your track. And it might just be one or two cameras, but you could broadcast and, and give the fans the feeling of being there on site. So being from the TV and broadcast side of things, I was totally drawn to this in the digital space. And I was like, we need to be doing this. So I pushed, really pushed on the digital side to, to project manage the the whole launch of it, to, to test it, all that. And, uh, I don't know if that was, <laughs> it was kind of a crazy thing to sign up for. Cause it was, it was not easy to do. We had three entities. We had at the time, uh, IMSA, which was grand Am. Um, we had, uh, NASCAR home tracks, and we had uh, AMA Pro Flat Track. Uh, so bringing those three entities together and trying to fill that, figure out what a platform would be and how to test that. And and when it was nothing that NASCAR had ever kind of explored, it was a challenge. But it was super, super cool to be a part of it. And uh, I can't say that I made it happen, um, but I definitely was the guy, when we all got on the call, kind of asking the questions and, and driving conversations to make sure we were moving the ball forward week in and week out.
0: That's awesome. Uh, one more thing that happened at NASCAR that's pretty significant is you met your girlfriend there.
1: Mm, I did. Yeah, we won't get into that too much, but we actually did meet in the digital space. And uh, after uh, after I decided to port ways with NASCAR, um, I don't know. She was out. She at the time she was out in, in Portland had an awesome opportunity with Nike. And I went to visit her out there, and uh, yeah, she's uh, she was a big part of helping me learn things on the digital side. When I say that I was the guy on the call, you know, asking the questions, project managing the launch of Fans Choice, um, I was definitely that guy, but she was the one teaching me project management. I had managed projects um, my whole life, but never really knew that it was project management, and she is a project manager extraordinaire. Um, so I definitely was able to do all the things that I was able to do with digital, and beyond because of the skills that she helped me learn from a project management standpoint. And, uh, yeah, she's just an awesome human. So I went to go visit her and then, uh, we started dating and been together ever since.
0: And that was Portland and out in Portland. Is that when you went to your first flat track race was at the one moto show? Is that, <laughs> is that how it kind of falls in line?
1: Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I, uh, I, I did go. So I was out probably away from NASCAR for about a year, Uh, when I got a call uh, to to see if I'd be interested in kind of helping consult on a project. And I met uh, some folks there at at the One Moto Show. Uh, We we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of what they were looking to do on the broadcast side. Um, And I did. My very first motorcycle show was the One Moto Show, which is why I I love it so much. Uh, Since I was out there in Portland, I had uh, gone and seen tour at at CC Motorcycles and, and told them that I might be, you know, working in motorcycles. And I knew nothing about motorcycles i mean you think i know nothing now like (laughs) imagine me four years ago never like even seeing a race or anything you know the only motorcycle race i'd seen was when we were testing fans choice and i would see like flat track that was when i first saw kevin clark waving the flag and i was like whoa this place this is crazy they're racing on dirt um but i'd never seen it in person i'd never seen a race motorcycle in front of me like i went to the one moto show I saw Gary Nixon spike his cool. triumph, uh, there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Holy shit. Like they raised this on dirt and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and just some cool pictures. I think, is it him with the peace sign? that's sticking his tongue out the Gary Nixon yep. picture that was like yep, in race. a full blown poster, uh, behind the bike. And I was just like, Holy shit. Like these guys are pretty cool. Uh, the next day is when they had, uh, the motorcycle races in Salem. So I, I drove up for that and that was my very first experience of seeing these things in person. Uh, so I was just blown away, dude. Like I, I didn't even know what to do, what to say. Like I had the wristband from the night before so I could just get in and walk around. And it's funny because I was like shooting on my iPhone and, and I, I was looking back a couple of months ago i mean brad baker's there davis fisher's there Mm. sammy halbert's there there was a lot of a lot of riders that i i know now uh but like i had no idea who these people were but it was super cool to watch man i just remember like standing on the fence and like watching race after race after race after race and just being like this is awesome because i mean i had been all over the world seeing all kinds of racing right with my nascar role but nothing like this um and that was just like a a little local track right like it wasn't anything it wasn't a national but uh there were There were pro riders there and i was drawn to it right away it was, it was super cool
0: so when did you guys make the move from portland to jacksonville
1: uh we made i actually started i started the 2016 season uh helping on, on the broadcasting consulting side and uh just mainly producing fans choice races right um that's when i met mm-hmm. you uh so that was in march and i think about halfway through that year was when uh, we realized, you know, being out there in Portland, it was just as that we're East coast folks. It was, it was being away from families so far away from family. The weather wasn't awesome. I mean, dude, Portland is one of the most beautiful places like outdoors in the country, but it's only nice, like two, three months out of the year. So, right. and so we realized, you know, I didn't have a network of, of professional, you know, contacts out there. So I was having problems trying to find work. Uh, so this, this, uh, flat track thing came along, man, and it was perfect timing for me. I was super stoked to like get back into TV and, uh, but yeah, it was about midway through 2016. We moved down to Florida when she got, uh, an offer at PGA tour. So we've been down here ever since. So
0: 2016 was when you started with AFT?
1: 2016 was my first full season with, with AFT. It was, Mm. it was the last year. I think they did the AMA pro flat track name. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, and it was the first year, I think that, the indian came in right
0: at the end the very end i think yeah Yeah. so um i did i just for some reason i was thinking it was 2017 Mm -hmm. um what was your job title when you were hired by aft or back then it was ama pro racing do you even remember
1: i don't think i remember i think i mean it might have i don't think i had a title i don't
0: did you have business cards
1: i didn't know i wasn't
0: I, i don't I don't either. You no. I've been there 13 years. I was a freelancer. I, don't I mean have it was them either. it was
1: the same kind of deal. I wasn't like I wasn't working for AFT. Uh, I was a freelancer um just kind of helping everywhere, anywhere I can from the, you know, broadcast consulting side, uh, and, uh, helping kind of put shows together for, for the broadcast. Uh, it was, it was interesting, man. I mean, it was a huge challenge to me and, you know, I always love a challenge. And the thing was, is like when you're in professional broadcast, you walk into a broadcast truck and everybody in there has been doing it for 20, 30 years. And there, you can't like throw new ideas out. You can't like tell them, you know let's try it this way because they're like this is the way we've always done it and this is the way it's done um that's actually a guy that i know that's that's an impersonation (laughs) anyways um but the but the opportunity to come in and and you know build something uh on the aft side at the time of was ama pro flat track was super appealing to me because it was younger people that hadn't been in tv and they were open to new ways of trying and it was super cool what they were doing, man. When I started with Fan's Choice, they I mean they weren't even like fiber. They were doing everything Wi-Fi, which was nobody in the world was doing that, like the way that they were doing it. So they were super ahead of their time. And I don't know. There's there's a lot there's a lot we can get into there, but it was definitely super appealing and and a cool project to work on and hell. I got to meet you.
0: <laughs> That's what, one of my questions too was, do you remember the the when we met, where we met?
1: I don't, do you?
0: No, I don't either. It had, just, it had
1: to be Daytona, <clears throat> short track.
0: It had to be, yeah, the Daytona short track, like the night before or a day or two before. We always had meetings Yeah. Uh, to get everything set up. And I think they kind of thrust you into everything. And I think you actually had to run that meeting and you didn't know what was going on. And so <laughs> I think we all kind of helped well, each other through that. It came
1: but, down they were like, you should come check it out. And, and then, uh, it turned into, well, if you wanted to jump in and do something, you could do it. And, I, and so I did, <laughs> um, I don't know, man, it, there was a, there was a lot of opportunity to kind of just help organize from a, from a show rundown standpoint. Like, I don't think that rundowns were a thing before, like, I don't even know if you had show pre-show meetings i know that you guys had broadcast i've been watching fans choice before so i know you know you had people like chris killen there that were that were helping produce some really cool stuff for for the fans choice and uh, like i said man they were doing some really cool stuff on the technological side of of the broadcast so uh, it was, it was super cool, but you know, there's, there's things that, that people that haven't spent a career in broadcast don't know. So just helping kind of from those aspects, I think was, was where I helped the most, I think the first year.
0: So, so when we work together, mm-hmm. are you the producer? Are you the director? Cause I know you're the guy in my ear and <laughs> you're also like at the time it was Chris Carr was with me, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Chris Carr was helping you do the, the broadcast. So, yeah
0: but what was your role producer, director? I, I mean, there's say, so many other people. There's so many people in that truck that I don't know what all their titles are. Seriously.
1: You should, you should go meet them all.
0: You know, them all. I know them all, but I don't know their titles.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't even know if there are titles. I think it's once, okay. once the, once the, once the show goes on, it's everybody's trying to do everything they can to make sure it stays on and it's, and it's clean and everything, man. It's, it's all hands on deck. And, and that was one of the cool things about it too is, Uh, that's what a lot of people don't realize with fans choice is it's not, it's not funded like a broadcast. It's it, there's, there's budget behind it, but it's, 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 they're doing so much with so little, uh,
0: one, semi. one semi one semi and it
1: wasn't even yeah. a broadcast truck they took a featherlight truck and they made it a broadcast truck which is a
0: right Ra- which is a rice trailer which is
1: super cool though like in, in i don't know like to do all that with with the limited resources they have um with for that is is amazing still to this day like the fact that they're doing NBC broadcast now with a little nicer truck uh and you know a few more toys is right. still super impressive because it's a fraction of what the the other people are doing. And st- the product still looks like a broadcast. So um, I don't know. I, w- I would say producer because um, I was kind of lining up what we were talking about. And we had a director at the time.
0: Right. Well, we, we've had a few people in your spot since you left. Yeah. And now Dwayne Evans is my guy in my ear yep. and he's doing a great job, too. So, uh, you know, obviously things change. You were there for two full seasons. Is that yeah, right?
1: 2016, 2017.
0: Yep. OK. So why flat track? Why are you so hooked on this sport?
1: Like I said, man, I, I'd i been all over the world. I got to go uh, to Le Mans and see some cool stuff over there. I saw semis racing. I've seen just about everything you can race, race. Uh, it's at mm-hmm. one point during my time with NASCAR. Uh, I've never seen anything like flat track racing. Uh, and I've seen other kinds of motorcycle racing. I've worked a little bit on the pro cross side. You know, we talked about that on episodes. But flat track, dude, I, I don't know. Something watching a, a bike go sideways like it does and still being having so much control over it is so appealing to me it's i mean obviously it's the people too uh i i know them more now being outside of that broadcast truck than i did inside of it but you you sense it even when you don't you know talk to them as much as as i have outside of the truck uh it's it's a community it's like the i, th- I think one of the biggest things about nascar back in the day is that they were real people like they're real everyday people they're not like crazy like stars that you don't get to touch um and flat track is the rawest of that that i've ever experienced in any racing uh and that to me i think is what really drew me in but of, of course the first thing was watching the races and, and watching how close these guys race and like just the the level of skill involved to do that lap after lap uh and, and talent i don't know I, there's a lot of different reasons man i I was at a point where I thought that I was done working in TV and this was an opportunity for me to get back in TV. So that definitely drew me to it initially too. Um, I don't know. I can go on for days with things that I love about it, but I don't know. Does that answer your question?
0: Pretty much. (laughs) So you, uh, you said you didn't get to know a lot of people when you were in the truck and I tried making it a point, like sometimes we would go to the track together or we'd leave together and I would try to make a point to say, Hey, we'll stop by this number 55 right here. That's Jake Shoemaker. Uh, let this is Carter. This is the guy that's, you know, in my ear telling me what's going on. And and I was introducing you to people, trying to. I don't. I wasn't trying to make you fit in. I was not trying to do that. But I just wanted you to to get to know the people that I know that might like my extended family. And I think somewhere along that line is where you kind of came up with our version of the pit walk, which is still my favorite part of the race day. Was that 2017? I know it was in Arizona, but I don't remember what year it was. It's
1: funny. It actually started in 2017 in Daytona, uh, the the original idea, because we were scrambling to get uh, the broadcast up in Reading. Which is, I wouldn't say scrambling. We were, uh, we were rushing to get things in order for the broadcast to start, and the riders were doing a track walk. It was the first time we were inside Daytona, um and there the was the first time the you know, the riders we get to track walk and, and do it and and we didn't have the cameras ready. We didn't have anything to show to go live and like put it on on Facebook. So I literally ran out of the truck. I had the little gimbal and I mm-hmm. and I ran out of the truck and I put my iPhone on it and I ran by the guy who was running the the social at the time. I was like, "Give me give me all the give me the login for Facebook." And it's still I think it's still up on their Facebook. I went live. I walked in, I think I walked in next to Corey Texter and Colby Carlisle and, and then just walked around myself and I'm no talent dude. Like at this time I'd never done anything on on a microphone or on camera. Uh, but I was like, Hey, we're walking around getting people's thoughts and, uh, just talking to riders. And, and, and that was the first thing that, that made me think, Hey, this could be something that we add as a bonus, uh, to the broadcast or, and then. It was, I think the next race in Arizona was when you and I were walking around, what you're talking about. And,
0: and, Bubba, and Bubba. And Bubba.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bubba. And I was like, this is like, dude, like you do this every race? And you're like, yeah, I, I talk to people every, every race. Like or people talk to me. And I was like, well, why don't we just do that? So we had our little TV broadcast meeting and I'll never forget, dude, we walked out of that meeting and I was like, grab Bubba. You ready? And I was like, let's do it. And <laughs> you're like, what are we doing? And I was like, just do what you did before. Just walk around and I'm going to follow you with the camera. And you're like, what? And I mean, you, I still have that recording too. And you could see like the camera flops at some time. Like it's, it was raw and it was new and it was cool. Um, And you could barely hear some of the things you were saying to people, but I don't know. It was, it was the start of that. And dude, like, it was it was one of those things that I knew people would love this right you're they're about to strap on a helmet and go racing uh so it's it it's something to like back to my NASCAR days they did it back in my digital days we had a product called garage cam and it was people walking around with a, a broadcast camera and they would walk and talk to riders before they went out on track so it even starts back there what did I say riders you said riders oh yeah. man I got see well when I started it used to be drivers and then you got me fixed mm-hmm. on that so now mm-hmm. I say riders anyways but that's kind of where it started too. I mean, Garage came back on my NASCAR digital days was, was the first iteration of what became the pit walk. But I don't know, all those things kind of happened when they happened and then, uh, then that happened and we did that first one and the engagement was pretty insane. Uh, it was pretty cool right out of the gate. So uh, we, we ended up doing that and it was funny because what was like round three or four, I was like, we're just gonna keep doing this and guarantee you, it'll become a thing and it, you could tell by the fourth or the fifth time we did it there were riders that were like looking for when we would start it they would see us mm-hmm. doing it and like go in their pits and like you know so like it became a thing um and i you say it's your favorite part it was my favorite part of the weekend too because if i can say one thing about what we did and what i'd Like, I was super stressed almost every weekend because I'd never really produced a (laughs) broadcast before, like soup to nuts, right, Um, and and bid responsible. So I was super stressed every weekend. Uh, It was a lot of stuff that we kind of threw together every week, so uh, I was super stressed, but the pit walk was my time to never stress. Like, all I had to do was follow you and, and bullshit with people, and that was honestly my favorite part about everything, so...
0: Well, yeah. and, and they they would always get lined up and be ready for <laughs> us. I, my phone, they'd start texting me like in the morning, "Hey, what time are you doing the pit walk?" Yeah. I'd have to let Graham know what time are you doing the. You know, yeah. she always say what she texts me, "What time are you doing the pit walk?" I was like, "We try to do it at a certain time, but we'd have meetings yep. prior to the event, yep. and we also didn't want to do it. We wanted to do it either right before or right after the riders meeting, so we knew that most of the riders were there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it it was candid. We got the riders while they were still. Normal people before mm-hmm. they got their race face on before they put their helmet on before you got the vanilla answers I would like to thank my XYZ sponsor <laughs> for my XYZ motorcycle for putting me out front so we didn't get that we got raw oh, yeah. pure answers and it to, to this day it's still my favorite part of what goes on, even though we didn't do it all in 2020 because of the covid and very limited number of people in the pits and face masks and stuff like that yeah uh, hopefully we'll get back to it again soon Here's you mentioned pro motor yeah. You mentioned Pro Motocross just a second ago, so you're still working for them. I, I mean, after did did the working with Pro Motocross happen after you worked with flat track? So
1: no, it was like uh, it was I think it was yeah after the 2017 season wrapped. Uh, there was one event that I had a buddy who had done it full time and he wasn't able to make one event. And he was like, "Can you come out and do it?" And I was like, "Yeah, no problem." I, it was it was actually overseeing the international feed for. Promoto, which i had done for six years with, nascar, with NASCAR. nascar yeah so i mean right. i, I kind of knew what was going on there i didn't know exactly how they were set up or whatever but like i said making tv is making tv so uh went to southwick uh was my very yep. first event i think in 2017 and uh And that was super cool, right? Because I had been doing the the flat track stuff for two years. I I definitely wasn't drawn to it like I was the flat track, but it's a whole new, those guys are are athletes and and it's super Mm -hmm. impressive in itself. But I don't know, just a completely different vibe in the pits, like when you walk around and and try to talk to people. So I I wasn't drawn to it like I was on the flat track, but I mean, it still, it was two wheels and it kind of kept me involved in the two wheel side of things. So I've been doing that. Uh, I'm doing that now full time. I did every event this year in 2020, so.
0: You also have a real job, <laughs> and that you don't like. No, I'm just kidding. You you may or may not like it. I don't know. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. But then also, this little project came up. I came down to see you, yeah. and we went to Savannah. And this is old Savannah before they modified it. It was a true half mile. It was. I don't even remember who was putting on the race at the time. Might have been Jason Griffin and them. And uh, Robbie Bobby's probably helping out. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. I talked you into going to that race You because that's a, such a fast track and so much fun. And we go up there and I spent some time at your house and we talked about this project and now we're in episode 163. So why did you want to do off the groove?
1: Oh man, we've, we've gone through this. I mean, we've got a laundry list of reasons to do it. Um, some of them, I don't know, selfishly, I wanted to keep making flat track content. Um, uh, initially, I think we, we had developed and, and it came up with the idea when Barry Boone uh, was around. And, and it was something that he was going to be involved in. And we were going to k- kind of do like an outside of racing deal where we talked to riders. He had his uh, talking motorcycles. But that wasn't strictly flat track. I wanted to do something strictly, strictly flat track and in the podcast space because that was the future of radio, in my opinion. So uh, it, it was... It was definitely inspired by conversations with Barry Boone. I'd talked to you about it during the whole 2017 season. Uh, and it's, you know, something that we could do outside of the track, uh, audio only. So it's not really heavily involved on the production side. So it wasn't going to cost us an arm and a leg. Uh, I was thinking, you know, we were trying to figure out stuff that we can air on the AFT races, you know, in between those long breaks and stuff. So it had just been content to fill there. And I don't know. It, it, there was a lot of different reasons. There was a lot of stories in the pits and in the week to week that weren't being told Uh, a lot of cool stories with riders that you don't hear from Uh, a lot of people in the community outside of riders that that you don't even know who the hell they are um, or where they come from. So all those reasons, man, and and about a hundred more that we've probably got on a list somewhere, but it was, I had never worked on a project myself creating content. So for me, one of the biggest draws was just trying to prove that I could do this week in and week out. And, uh, 163 weeks later, here we are. (laughs) So
0: why me? Why you Why'd you pick me? Yeah. Ah
1: man. Well, there's a whole nother laundry list of reasons, man. Like uh you are the most genuine person that I think I've ever met, not just in Flat Track, but in my life, dude. Like, uh, you helped me a ton. I didn't know anything about motorcycles. Between you and Barry Boone, you guys taught me just about everything I, I know about motorcycles my first two years. I wouldn't have been able to produce fans choice races, uh had I not gotten the information that you and Barry taught me. You're super nice, super humble, like you're a lot of people don't realize, and I've said this before, like you contribute a ton, uh, of information of, of time of, of knowledge, uh, about the sport, uh, through your three generations, uh, that, that a lot of people I don't think understand. And I recognize that. And if I'm going to do this with anybody, I want to do it one with somebody who's knowledgeable, um, two that I can trust and, uh, three that I want to work with. And you fit all three of those perfectly. So, um, I won't kiss your ass anymore. But I don't know, dude, there's, was right, good, good. a lot of reasons, but, and we've talked about it, man. Like when you came down when we and we went before we went to Savannah, like we said, w- what three people do you want to talk to? Um, and we just literally just sat in my office here and called people and just put this together. Mm-hmm. Like, and we recorded it in a little audio device through Skype. I think we did then like, it's, I don't know. And to see where it is now, dude, like all the conversations, all the stories we've told, everything that's happened like i remember we talked about that that weekend and it takes a lot for me to put myself out there believe it or not i'm i'm a huge introvert close? yes even talking on this podcast i can't believe it week in week out like when we first started it was just you cuz i didn't want to have any part <laughs> in it i'm not it's not just helped me like believe in myself to be able to create content but to be able to have a voice uh, and and even though i am not knowledgeable still in a lot of areas in this space uh in flat track, I feel like I do represent somebody coming into the sport because there's a lot of new new eyeballs, new earballs, what we could say earballs on the podcast, but mm-hmm. uh and I do have a voice in that respect, so it's I don't know dude it's it's
0: all right, yeah, that's good, I like it, I appreciate uh-huh. the kind words, yeah dude <clears throat>
1: Uh-oh, choking you up,
0: no mm-hmm. so uh if you didn't have enough going on on your plate, you yeah. also be with your full time job with. Outdoor motocross with <laughs> off the groove. Yeah, you also took on this other podcast, tank slapping podcast with yeah. Corey Texter, originally with Jake Johnson, now with Sammy Sabedra. All of them are my friends. Yeah. uh Why Why did you want to take on another project? Ah, uh, man.
1: I uh, I think that everybody in the flat track community has a voice, and everybody has a story. Um, mm-hmm. and I think a podcast is a is a great way to build a brand. Uh, for yourself and for the for the community i think i've talked to corey a couple of years before we even started tank slapping about you know working together on, on content and he i mean he had the idea for tank slapping a year before we even started it and he wanted a raw unfiltered look at the sport and i was like are you willing to do that are you are you able to do that and i and i held off for a while because i didn't think he would um but the beginning of this year uh, end of last year he pretty much nailed me down. He's like, no, we're doing it. And, uh, it's all him, man. Like he, uh, he came at me a million times with the idea and, and until I said, all right, let's do it. And it wasn't that I didn't think that he was ready in the beginning. I just, I didn't think that when you're getting sponsors and, you, and you're, you know, you have to, you have to kind of cater to that in a, in a way. So I didn't think the model would work. Um, but he's kind of, He's a hustler for sure. I loved his work, I think. I think the the 580 trip that we did uh was a was a good opportunity for me to see how he works and how he puts things together and after that I was like, let's do it, man. Like uh if you if you want to do it, I'll, I'll help. And uh it's been pretty successful, man. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: Is your role different with Tank Slime Podcast than it is with Off the Groove?
1: Mm, I've only been on I I think my voice has only been in like 4 or 5 episodes. In that respect, I don't I don't talk as much, but I record, I edit it, Corey and Sammy. Now pretty much Sammy runs the social stuff. Corey, uh, lines up the guests and, and helps get sponsors and, uh, does his, a lot of social on on his end. He QCs like quality checks every episode. Uh, Corey does a lot of work in, in a lot of ways, but from a social standpoint, that's all Sammy pretty much. And, uh, I do the, the recording, the editing, and then any other content that we make for it. We just did a live stream for his, uh, winter throwdown. Like, so stuff like that, anything that you see on the production side of stuff, um, I'm, I'm the guy most of the time, but,
0: but yeah. And, and, and for the record, you do about 90% of the, of everything for that's off not, the group. That's so, not true. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally I'll get the script together for, Dude, for some of our interviews, but I, no, I, could... yeah, I give you couldn't I give you most of the credit. <laughs> I will take a little bit of the credit because it's my voice, it but. is
1: your voice, and you. I nobody knew who the hell I was. They half the people probably still don't know who the hell I am. Um, at this I'm a, point, I'm gonna
0: tell everybody it's the guy with the Amish beard. There you
1: go. Um, and
0: part time mohawk, <laughs>
1: <laughs> my quarantine mohawk. It's going pretty yeah. strong, dude. It's up to about a foot yeah. tall. Um, but yeah, dude, like I don't know. When we started this, dude, it had to like we wouldn't be where we are i wouldn't have another podcast talking about maybe other ones um you are a huge part in making this what it is and so i will not take 90 percent. i'm gonna take 50 because okay, that's how 95. this is. it's always been 50 50 and will always be 50 yeah. 50
0: you, you do a hell of a lot more work than i do let's Man. just put it that so let's move away from racing just a little bit uh hobbies i mean do you even have time to have a hobby i know you you picked up a paddleboard not too long ago and you've been doing that a little while dude i bought How's so that I, going?
1: I went for the first time last year and we bought paddleboards for christmas and well that's that's all we asked for is like gift cards so we can get paddleboards and then between uh promodo and other shit this this summer i didn't get to go at all and i just got like the past 3 weekends before it gets too cold down here in uh in florida we went we got to go so that's my new hobby dude and next year i'm going to make time for it cuz ain't nothing like getting on the water and just not thinking about
0: anything aren't you scared of gators down there hell no man the picture you sent me i think we did a live video chat or facetime last week and that water looked smooth for one and it looked green for two and i was like watch out for them gators
1: gators ain't gonna do nothing, man you know you can hold their mouth together with fingertips like there's no you're fine You can, you dude. Go once their, once go their ahead. mouth is closed, it, it they have no strength to open their mouth. You just you can hold it with a rubber band. I dude, I when I did uh, when I did the Comedy Wild West show, I used yeah. to do shows in Winter Haven, Florida, and we had a house on the lake and we would go out in the middle of the night and go alligator hunting with with a flashlight. You ever do that? No, you sign the. You, have,
0: we don't have alligators in Oklahoma. <laughs> you
1: go, you go in a canoe and you shine a flashlight, and if you see, you red, see their eyes, red dots. Those
0: are alligators, right. and okay. sometimes
1: there'll be baby ones. You gotta be careful with the baby ones though, because that means mama's around somewhere close. Mm-hmm. But we would pull baby alligators out of the water
0: for what? Down just for right? fun,
1: just to say, hey, look, there's baby alligator. I'm holding.
0: Did yeah. You, did you pet him? Did you play sure, with him? Yeah. And let him go? Yeah.
1: One of the parks I worked in, man, they had all these alligators there. That's how I know. Like, I literally held a huge-ass alligator's mouth together with my thumb and my pointer finger. You can do it. A rubber band right. holds their mouth together. It's crazy.
0: All right. So we'll move on from that subject because I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not interested in holding the alligator's mouth closed uh, or anything like that. Yeah. So Stoney and his wife, Bonnie, listened to the podcast after Thanksgiving that we were we recorded kind of in between uh you know, my lunch at oh, Stoney's yeah, house. Yeah, and, yeah. and he said, next time you're in town, to let him know, oh, and boy. Bonnie will make homemade tacos for you. And then you'll understand why we had tacos on Thanksgiving.
1: Okay. Okay. I will definitely... Dude, tacos are like my favorite thing ever. Exactly. I'm taking them exactly. up on that. And,
0: and it, was, it was homemade tacos. It wasn't like we had Taco Bell or Taco Bueno or any <laughs> other kind of fast food. So he just... He couldn't understand why you were so upset we had tacos on Thanksgiving. I wasn't Thanksgiving, upset.
1: So. I just didn't understand it. I'd never heard for tacos on Thanksgiving, but
0: hey, I'm not we're hating. We can do whatever we want. Dude, okay. All right. It's Sounds good. Stony. He, thought, he thought you are upset.
1: No way. Anything Stony does <laughs> is cool as hell, no matter what it is. Tacos on Thanksgiving, Stony all day, man.
0: Well, we're nearing the end of the episode already. I don't know if, believe it or not, we've been on here for a little while. I'm pretty so stoked that we're
1: done with it because I've been really nervous about this. I don't are know you, why. Are you
0: sweating? Are you sweating I, over there? D- yeah. Okay. It's Love time that. for Graham's question.
1: Oh, and Graham's question. I get a Graham's question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so boy.
0: as soon as, as soon as we found out you were going to be our guest, uh-huh. I had to, I actually called her and she was shopping at Lowe's uh, cause <laughs> that's what she does. She loves to shop <laughs> and she wouldn't tell me what she's getting me. So uh-huh. uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm getting some from Lowe's, maybe not. But nice. she said, or she, her question is, when are you going to learn how to ride a motorcycle? That's
1: probably the best Graham question I've heard so far. Uh, it's funny that you ask. I, I, actually was, uh, I was having a conversation today and I said, 2021 goal, learn to ride a motorcycle. So next year, Graham, I will learn to ride a motorcycle. I can't promise you it's going to be good, but, uh, I've got a couple of people that, that, that I know that are pretty good at it. So, uh, between all those folks, I'm pretty sure that I can get around a track at least once on a motorcycle. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. It was kind of like her other part of the question is when are you going to race too? Because then you <laughs> then you no. would then you would get the full flat track nope. experience.
1: No way in hell I will ever race a motorcycle unless it's like a grom race somewhere. I could see myself getting into some grom racing, but no,
0: okay, nothing else. Well, my my dad always told me I couldn't even compete in the human race, so you know what, whatever. <laughs> what a, fast Eddie?
1: Let me ask you a question. I've asked a lot of people this one. I'd love to hear your answer. What bike should I learn to ride on?
0: Are you talking street? you talking dirt?
1: You tell me. I don't know. I got a Vespa. That's yeah. all I've ever ridden on a mo- motorcycle. Yeah. And that's not a motorcycle.
0: I, I, think, I think you need something with a clutch. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think dirt is definitely more forgiving than pavement. Hmm. So if you could... if Well, I mean, you're going to fall down. <laughs> oh, if, shit. If, well, you have to. Just <laughs> no. like when you learn how to ride a bicycle, dude, I was you fall down. I dude. was talking
1: yeah. to Chris Carr about this because he does you know, the American Super Camp. Yeah. And yeah. he he said that's part of the training. You learn... To, you learn you
0: learn how to fall down yeah
1: well and the girl used to do the roller derby stuff and that's the first thing they teach you is how to fall down right so
0: it makes sense but otherwise otherwise when you fall down you're gonna break stuff
1: i'm gonna break stuff i don't want to i've never broken anything i don't want to break anything
0: okay all right well we'll just take it easy (laughs) but i would i would start you on something like a a a 110 or something like that on dirt with a clutch and you can work your way up to something bigger have you uh
1: have you seen the movie a christmas story yeah. You know, the the little brother that goes out in the, in the, that's what I'm going to yeah. ride. The first time I ride, like all puffed out in a jacket. <laughs> so I don't no, you're break You're talking anything.
0: like all in his snowmobile suit. Yeah. And he can't even put his arms down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to be Carter. Yeah.
1: That'll be, that'll be, dude, it's, there's a couple of things I'm terrified of. I'm, I'm terrified of breaking a bone, but I right. can get over that. That's not going to keep me from trying it. I'm terrified from how much money I'm going to spend once I learn to ride a motorcycle. And the other thing I'm terrified of is somebody getting video of me riding that motorcycle for the first time because it's going to be epic. Yeah. No, I don't know about epic. (laughs) It's going to be interesting for sure. It'll be epic for me because I've never done it, but it won't be that, that exciting for anybody besides me.
0: All right. So you know how we wrap up our shows, 163 episodes in a row with rapid fire.
1: Oh, I get rapid fire too.
0: Absolutely, You're well, a true your guest.
1: Okay. All right. We'll see.
0: So the first one I left the same, uh, what's your favorite racetrack? You said you've been all over the world, NASCAR, <sighs> flat track, motocross all over. You've done everything. It doesn't have to be flat track. That's what's cool about our podcast is you can answer this however you want. What's your favorite racetrack to go to?
1: Oh, wow. I've literally been to every NASCAR track. Um, there's some amazing NASCAR tracks. <sighs> I don't know. This one's tough, dude. Like, uh, my very first one that I went to was Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, That holds a special place. Daytona's amazing. This is tough. Uh, Watkins Glen's awesome because it's... Now
0: now you know how our guests feel.
1: Yeah. Um, But on the flat track side, there's so many awesome ones. Springfield, dude. Springfield. Okay. Uh, Just so many good memories there at Springfield more than anything at NASCAR. And I don't know. Love Springfield. All right.
0: Just talking about Off the Groove. Mm Mm-hmm. Who's your top three guests in oh, any order? Shit. In any order.
1: Uh, man, this one's super tough. Mert Lawwell, you, and
0: Graham. Oh yeah. Hmm. Me. Yeah. We kind of just kind of winged it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Those ones All are right. Those Ones, ones right. are special for All me. Right. And, and plus, if I pick anybody else, I'd, I'd kind of feel like. Yeah. All
0: right, Graham's is Graham's always epic. Hundred you know, percent last the last one was was perfect uh we did give her a little uh you know the notes but we the first time when we called her was so cool it was so good yeah all right this is your question you've put this one in the notes quite a few times but uh when heading to the races i have to bring my what
1: my bright ass nikes
0: the ones you got stuck in the mud at the outdoor national yeah, or
1: those weren't the bright ones you know remember those like bright ass orange ones like oh yeah so when i was like when i was producing like I, everybody would always have questions about the show and where things are so i was like i'll wear these bright ass nikes so people can easily spot me and that's kind of just become my thing so my bright ass nikes right.
0: all right so if people listen to our podcast they know that your favorite holiday is halloween <laughs> Sure. I've seen I've seen your Halloween closet. It's oh, probably man. taking over more of the house now, but what is your favorite Halloween costume that you ever wore?
1: So when I was at NASCAR, they were gonna throw away a whole brand new uh a brand new officials uniform. So I have mm-hmm. like head to toe old school NASCAR officials uniform. Uh that was probably one of my favorites. Uh, okay. one year I had to throw a costume together last minute and those are always the worst right because they're you,
0: hold on hold on a second you know october 31st is the same day every year and you know it's halloween yeah so but don't give me this crap of throwing the last second
1: dude i'm not the um, only one that does it either everybody okay. does this like y- right. you do you free, you get lost and stuff you forget that it's like coming up and then okay. shit you don't have a costume okay, one continue. year me and my buddy threw together a forrest gump costume and i was forrest nice. and he was captain uh dan is it captain L- dan?
0: lieutenant lieutenant dan lieutenant
1: dan he was lieutenant dan and we actually had a wheelchair and i just pushed him around all day in his wheelchair it was amazing it was the best last minute costume ever so
0: that might be up well, there too chris kirk you if you're listening kind?
1: this that that's for you buddy
0: did you win any prizes or anything we did
1: we actually won it was it was a last minute prize and we won the last minute prize We best right. best last minute costume
0: what's what's your favorite flat track race you've ever seen
1: uh it's a tough one the first one was pretty amazing and then uh springfield of last year the one during the double header
0: big uh, group of riders
1: not only the big group of riders but it was my first time being able to go down in the turn
0: oh yeah i told you to do that yeah Yeah.
1: and see that and i gotta throw Lima in. i gotta throw the lima my first lima race in there because you told me to go stand on the fence there and that experience was
0: pretty eat and eat some pea gravel
1: (laughs) i did i think one actually chipped my tooth um (laughs) no it didn't but the, I don't know, man. There's so, every single one I went to is amazing, but those ones stick out, I guess. Yeah.
0: Who's the next first-time Super Twins champ?
1: Brandon Robinson.
0: Wow. All right. Yeah. All right. I like it. What's your favorite flavor of Lone Star Beef Jerky?
1: <laughs> Teriyaki, hands down. All right. Yeah.
0: And, and, and the last one, we've been using this a lot lately, but uh, it's pretty much the last question we asked of our guests, and it's one that Dave Despain uh, uses and you are, uh, I guess, a humongous Dave Despain fan. I don't know if anybody knows a that die or not. Diehard fan, yeah. uh, diehard, yeah. So yeah. Dave always asks, "What are you most proud of?"
1: I, this was the—I the, didn't even think about this one. I should have because we ask it to everyone. I'm proud of what I've, of the work that I've been able to do here in the past couple of years. Uh, like I said before, I did this, man. I—I've never done anything completely on my own. So uh, to be able to look back at 163 episodes here. Over forty on the tank slap inside. Uh, the work that I've done from, you know, with, I did a little work with Estensen for a while, posting there on social content. Uh, from somebody who doesn't consider himself a cameraman or an editor or any of this thing, like that, I have a body of work now that I can actually like say I did that. Um, super proud of that because I never really thought that I I would have that. So
0: that that's a good answer. And I feel like so, I'm just, I
1: feel like I'm just getting started too. So we'll see where I that know. goes.
0: So before we let you out of the hot seat, oh boy. the last question is, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Uh,
1: this is now I feel like what every rider and everybody feels. It's tough. Like, how do you say thanks? Thanks to my parents, my mom and my dad. Um, wouldn't be here if they didn't do their thing almost 40 years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody that's given me an opportunity to... Uh, to work for them, to learn, to grow, um, from, from telling stupid jokes in a slapstick comedy show, rolling prompter at a TV station to, you know, producing fans choice races with AFT. It's been, uh, everything in NASCAR, Seth Bacon, who gave me the opportunity at NASCAR, uh, Barry Bennett, who's no longer with us, but he, uh, taught me everything I know in TV and broadcast television. Um, Barry Boone, uh, who taught me everything about motorcycles when I first started, uh, in motorcycles, uh, Gene Crouch for taking a chance on me to, to give me the opportunity with AFT, uh, you for everything you've taught me, um, and, hell of a partner in doing this, this stuff for three years, Andrea Wilson and, and Tim Estenson, who gave me the opportunity to come to the, to the races and make content, uh, for flat track after I parted ways with AFT Corey Texter um, for taking a chance and, and starting another podcast and, and helping me grow that. Um, and figuring out some things that I, I haven't really been able to figure out anybody in the community that's reached out and said that they want to work together on stuff, man. Uh, there's some interesting things I think coming in 2021, and last but certainly not least I'm going to try not to mess this up but uh, Devin Fox, my girl um, call her Boo Boo she's she's my world I have no idea where I'd be had I never met her um, and my life is better because of her every day so thank you for being you and thank you for helping me figure out who the hell I am Um, that's about it man
0: right on well thanks for your time and uh, get back to work
1: (laughs) anytime man you want to do the outro now?
0: yeah I made it. Are you okay? Did, are, you, are you still breathing? No, are I'm sweating?
1: sweating. I'm I'm sweating. Still. Sweating bullets? Still. Yeah. I was sweating when you Good. told me, and Good. now I'm still sweating. Thanks for that. Good. Good. You're welcome. I, I'm not. <laughs> we, we got well, an episode nah. in. We made a whole interview of it, though. I, I was surprised that we actually got through it. Did
0: I do okay on the outline? Dude, you did fantastic on the outline. Okay. Good. Good. Because... I didn't ask you any questions beforehand. No, you didn't. Uh, I didn't didn't give you any hints. We usually we usually share
1: our notes, so I get like we usually work on questions and share notes. But I had no idea where where this one was going or the fact that you were even going to ask me questions. So congrats on pulling yeah. one over on me uh-huh. and thanks. Uh,
0: thank you thank you
1: yeah we'll we'll, we'll probably like right I'll, I'll edit half of what we just talked about out probably
0: but whatever you're leaving it all in there because everybody wants to know everything about mr carter nobody wants to know who that,
1: maybe yeah. chris carter from motion pro but not this one
0: whatever i thought it was great man you did a good job i appreciate thanks, you and thanks thanks for all the kind words too um i appreciate that
1: absolutely dude couldn't do this without you
0: what do you got going on this weekend
1: uh i might be heading down to volusia um okay. for a secret tire right. test that everybody knows about right um <laughs> i might be doing that uh i might be uh going to shoot it's... some stuff at callahan uh with texture afterwards okay. um he's gonna is be that
0: what, that's what that's what the winter throwdown is right yeah man
1: it's uh it's kind okay. of a big deal this year He's uh, got some some big sponsors involved uh i hear briar he ba- does... briar bauman might does... show
0: up he does every year he has big sponsors involved. he does
1: but like it's a big it's a bigger deal this year uh sammy Sepedra, right. sammy sabedra is gonna come down and we're gonna be doing like interviews throughout the whole day um covering so some can
0: ste- are you gonna bring a step stool for him no
1: nah, he's gonna bring his own step stool he's got his own oh, now okay. that he yeah. just travels with he
0: him. got a new one for his birthday when we did the pit walk i saw you know? that
1: i'm trying yeah. to talk you into coming down and being around for that too but i well, don't know if that's gonna it, work out yeah.
0: or what if I don't have an arena cross race that weekend, I've got to really make sure to get that deal sealed up too. Cause no, you don't. I've got Not for verbal... that weekend. I've got a yeah. If I'm doing one, I'm doing the whole series for them. So that's if I fair. got a verbal right now, I need to make sure that's uh, all buttoned up. So I'll let you know here pretty soon.
1: All right, we'll have to figure that's that the... out. But if you can, the... can you imagine yeah. you, me, and Sabedra running around? How cool that would be! Ah.
0: Boy, I'll
1: cover your airfare, that, that... bro. Bring it, son. Bring it. Oh my it.
0: gosh. Let me see what I can do. Let me see what I can do. I already had one of those trips lined up, you know, for the bicycle ride, and that got got postponed. Yeah.
1: Hopefully we'll do. We might Um, be doing that after a throwdown, so there you go. Let's do it. Come down for the throwdown, and we'll drive down to Key West and follow those knuckleheads. Knuckleheads. The
0: knuckleheads. Those knuckleheads.
1: (laughs) No, we had a blast last time we did it, and you would love Key West. You've never been, have you?
0: no i have not oh, it's always brother. you know we've always had it on our radar like when we come down for daytona bike week with me and my dad and stoney and everybody else who comes down and rides with us have always thought about staying a week later and just riding down just to check it out but we we never have done it yet so i don't i don't know why we've never accomplished that probably because now nowadays it seems like we go racing atlanta or somewhere else the next weekend but uh no I, I would love to see key west
1: dude we gotta make that happen regardless because you know who's down there d d and she she doesn't want to do an episode over the phone so maybe we just go down there for an episode with d that would be
0: amazing just just record it live
1: bro that would be awesome dude when i was down there before she was showing me all like the old school pictures of the leathers she made she was telling Mm -hmm. me stories like i could literally spend a week with that lady and listen to her stories amazing
0: it's unreal we're talking about d d johnson d's leathers yeah and a lot of people wore those things.
1: Unreal. Hell of an old gal. Hell of a story. And, dude, she's she's got stories with everyone, like all the legends. Oh, yeah. She made their leathers. Oh, yeah.
0: She made like 90% yep. of the leathers back in the day, right? Back in the day. Yeah, uh-huh. almost everybody had them. Is before. You've got you know, set. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 My last pair of leathers I ever had were these leathers. She,
1: the one story she was telling me, I don't know if it was Cop or Parker or Springer, she made a set of leathers for their kids, like baby said oh, a settlers. little,
0: yeah. yeah and she showed yeah. me
1: pictures of it. It was so cool. But that, there's so right. much cool shit there. So they could
0: wear them in the pits. Yeah, yeah. They, they weren't even racing. They were so little. They were just wearing them around the pit area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was yeah. good stuff. Back in the day. Back in what the day. What do you
1: get into well, this weekend?
0: I don't have any plans right now. It's yeah. kind of chilly here in Oklahoma, so I might just kind of take it easy. I heard there might be a race, uh, flat track race in Claremore, Oklahoma, hmm. which is a little bit, a little bit closer than uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So maybe me and Dad and Stoney might run up to that. I'm not sure yet, but uh, I just caught wind of that earlier in the week, and uh, might, might go check that out. Something to do. Nice. Nice, nice, relaxing weekend of December, I guess.
1: Yeah, man. So we've got a couple uh, weeks here. We're going to crank out a few episodes to, you know, kind of put some in the can for the holidays. We've got some really cool, interesting stuff coming up. Got an old school rider that's going to be on here in the next couple weeks. Uh, Obviously, we'll probably get Bigelow on to talk about that news uh, here before Christmas or shortly after and then we have a cool episode i think with some ladies another uh, uh strictly ladies uh gonna do some cool stuff with uh mothers and wives of flat track so looking forward to the okay. next few weeks man i'm pretty stoked
0: all right it. i like it i love it well don't don't get too cold down there at the tire test if it's you know like 50 <laughs> degrees in florida you better pack some long handles and some you know some overalls and some ski jackets and i'm officially all that stuff
1: i'm officially a floridian i'm sitting here in in long pants and, and a sweatshirt and it's like 50 degrees outside um, <laughs> i'm like i don't know how people up north or in I canada I know. you it,
0: know I, I was born in sioux falls south dakota and i hate the cold i i'm a sissy now i i do not like the cold at mm. all i don't know i guess thanks dad and mom for getting me the heck out of uh sioux falls when i was little but yeah. i grew up in oklahoma and yeah we got an ice storm but it's gone, you know, for, you know, for a while. We're getting snow every once in a while. But, you know, I don't know. There, there's already snow everywhere up north. And I'm like, how do you live in that stuff?
1: I have no idea. I don't know how people
0: Me do either. it. All right. All right, bro. Well, have a good weekend. And uh, to all of our listeners, smash that like button. Tell all your friends we're sorry. We've uh, had some problems with Spotify. Yeah. And a couple other little issues. Carter's working on that daily. Uh, you. trying to get those things uh, taken care of and uh, on still, iTunes and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: you can still listen on SoundCloud, so there's still a way to listen, but it's not well,
0: ideal for now. But yeah, I got I got a message the other night in the middle of the night from somebody in England saying they couldn't find it on Spotify. I said, hey, just click the link in my in my profile on Instagram or on Facebook or wherever. You can still listen. Hey man, I just I love getting messages from our fans. It's That's really insane. cool. Yeah, I yeah I never would have imagined it as this quiet little shy kid originally from South Dakota, growing up in Oklahoma, that didn't even want to pick up the telephone back in the day. And uh, now I get to talk to my heroes, people that still go out there and put on a show for all you fans. And and I just, I'm a very lucky guy. And uh, man, I just love all our fans. Appreciate it.
1: You the man, Scotty Dubla. 163 in the can. I actually got an episode. Chris Carter's in the can. I've got an episode. How about that? Like, I never thought that I would even say that. That's pretty cool. I still am kind of sweating right now because i'm still kind of nervous yep. i don't know you'll what. be all right yeah. you'll be all right and talking on a microphone's not my thing believe it or not
0: yeah it is nope sounds good all right all right peace later
1: It's Somebody's on right here. now. Somebody thumbed us up. It's Somebody, cold in here. On?
0: I have to turn my heater off. I would, I got one guess that I do good with my outline.
1: You did great, man.